Book One, Chapter Four of *The Clansman*, an historical romance of the Ku Klux Klan, by Thomas Dixon Jr. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recorded by Michelle Fry. Chapter Four: A Clash of Giants. Elsie secured from the Surgeon General temporary passes for the day and sent her friends to the hospital with the promise that she would not leave the White House until she had secured the pardon. The President greeted her with unusual warmth, the smile that had only haunted his sad face during four years of struggle, defeat, and uncertainty had now burst into joy that made his powerful head radiate light. Victory had lifted the veil from his soul, and he was girding himself for the task of healing the nation's wounds. "'I'll have it ready for you in a moment, Miss Elsie,' he said, touching with his sinewy hand a paper which lay on his desk, bearing on its face the red seal of the Republic. "'I am only waiting to receive the passes.' "'I am very grateful to you, Mr. President,' the girl said feelingly. "'But tell me.' he said with quaint fatherly humor why you of all our girls the brightest fiercest little yankee in town so take to heart a rebel boy's sorrows elsie blushed and then looked at him frankly with a saucy smile i'm fulfilling the commandments love your enemies certainly how could one help loving the sweet motherly face you saw yesterday the president laughed heartily I see. Of course, of course. The Honorable Austin Stoneman suddenly announced a clerk at his elbow. Elsie started in surprise and whispered, Don't let my father know I am here. I will wait in the next room. You'll let nothing delay the pardon, will you, Mr. President? Mr. Lincoln warmly pressed her hand as she disappeared through the door leading into Major Hay's room and turned to meet the great commoner who hobbled slowly in leaning on his crooked cane at this moment he was a startling and portentous figure in the drama of the nation the most powerful parliamentary leader in american history not excepting henry clay no stranger ever passed this man without a second look his clean-shaven face the massive chiseled features his grim eagle look and cold colorless eyes with the frosts of his native vermont sparkling in their depths compelled attention his walk was a painful hobble he was lame in both feet and one of them was deformed the left leg ended in a mere bunch of flesh resembling more closely an elephant's hoof than the foot of a man he was absolutely bald and wore a heavy brown wig that seemed too small to reach the edge of his enormous forehead he rarely visited the white house he was the able bold unscrupulous leader of leaders and men came to see him he rarely smiled and when he did it was the smile of the cynic and misanthrope his tongue had the lash of a scorpion he was a greater terror to the trimmers and time servers of his own party than to his political foes he had hated the president with sullen consistent and unyielding venom from his first nomination at chicago down to the last rumor of his new proclamation in temperament a fanatic in impulse a born revolutionist the word conservatism was to him as a red rag to a bull 
the first clash of arms was music to his soul he laughed at the call for seventy-five thousand volunteers and demanded the immediate equipment of an army of a million men he saw it grow to two million from the first his eagle eye had seen the end and all the long blood-marked way between and from the first he began to plot the most cruel and awful vengeance in human history and now his time had come the giant figure in the white house alone had dared to brook his anger and block the way for old stoneman was the congress of the united states the opposition was too weak even for his contempt cool deliberate and venomous alike in victory or defeat the fascination of his positive faith and revolutionary program had drawn the rank and file of his party in congress to him as charmed satellites the president greeted him cordially and with his habitual deference to age and physical infirmity hastened to place for him an easy chair near his desk he was breathing heavily and evidently laboring under great emotion he brought his cane to the floor with violence placed both hands on its crook leaned his massive jaws on his hands for a moment and then said mr president i have not annoyed you with many requests during the past four years nor am i here today to ask any favors i have come to warn you that in the course you have mapped out the executive and legislative branches have come to the parting of the ways and that your encroachments on the functions of congress will be tolerated now that the rebellion is crushed not for a single moment mr lincoln listened with dignity and a ripple of fun played about his eyes as he looked at his grim visitor the two men were face to face at last the two men above all others who had built and were to build the foundations of the new nation lincoln's in love and wisdom to endure forever the great commoners in hate and madness to bear its harvest of tragedy and death for generations yet unborn well now stoneman began the good-humored voice that puts me in mind the old commoner lifted his hand with a gesture of angry impatience save your fables for fools is it true that you have prepared a proclamation restoring the conquered province of north carolina to its place as a state in the union with no provision for negro suffrage or the exile and disenfranchisement of its rebels the president rose and walked back and forth with his hands folded behind him before answering i have the constitution grants to the national government no power to regulate suffrage and makes no provision for the control of conquered provinces constitution thundered stoneman i have a hundred constitutions in the pigeonholes of my desk i have sworn to support but one a worn-out rag rag or silk i've sworn to execute it and i'll do it so help me god said the quiet voice you've been doing it for the past four years haven't you sneered the commoner what right had you under the constitution to declare war against a sovereign state to invade one for coercion to blockade a port to declare slaves free to suspend the writ of habeas corpus to create the state of west virginia by the consent of two states one of which was dead and the other one of which lived in ohio 
by what authority have you appointed military governors in the sovereign states of virginia tennessee and louisiana why trim the hedge and lie about it we too are revolutionists and you are our executive the constitution sustained and protected slavery it was a league with death and a covenant with hell and our flag a polluted rag in the stress of war said the president with a faraway look it was necessary that i do things as commander-in-chief of the army and navy to save the union which i have no right to do now that the union is saved and its constitution preserved my first duty is to re-establish the constitution as our supreme law over every inch of our soil the constitution be damned hissed the old man it was the creation both in letter and spirit of the slaveholders of the south then the world is their debtor and their work is a monument of imperishable glory to them and to their children i have sworn to preserve it we have outgrown the swaddling clothes of a babe we will make new constitutions fools rush in where angels fear to tread softly spoke the tall self-contained man for the first time the old leader winced he had long ago exhausted the vocabulary of contempt on the president his character ability and policy he felt as a shock the first impression of supreme authority with which he spoke the man he had despised had grown into the great constructive statesman who would dispute with him every inch of ground in the attainment of his sinister life purpose his hatred grew more intense as he realized the prestige and power with which he was clothed by his mighty office with an effort he restrained his anger and assumed an argumentative tone can't you see that your so-called states are now but conquered provinces that north carolina and other waste territories of the united states are unfit to associate with civilized communities we fought no war of conquest quietly urged the president but one of self-preservation as an indissoluble union no state ever got out of it by the grace of god and the power of our arms now that we have won and established for all time its unity shall we stultify ourselves by declaring we were wrong these states must be immediately restored to their rights or we shall betray the blood we have shed there are no conquered provinces for us to spoil a nation cannot make a conquest of its own territory but we're acting outside the constitution interrupted stoneman congress has no existence outside the constitution was the quick answer the old commoner scowled and his beetling brows hid for a moment his eyes his keen intellect was catching its first glimpse of the intellectual grandeur of the man with whom he was grappling the facility with which he could see all sides of a question and the vivid imagination which lit his mental processes were a revelation we always underestimate the men we despise why not out with it cried stoneman suddenly changing his tack you are determined to oppose negro suffrage i have suggested to governor hahn of louisiana to consider the policy of admitting the more intelligent and those who served in the war it is only a suggestion the state alone has the power to confer the ballot 
but the truth is this little suggestion of yours is only a bone thrown to radical dogs to satisfy our howlings for the moment in your soul of souls you don't believe in the equality of man if the man under comparison be a negro i believe there is a physical difference between the white and black races which will forever forbid their living together on terms of political and social equality if such be attempted one must go to the wall very well pin the southern white man to the wall our party and the nation will then be safe that is to say destroy african slavery and establish white slavery under negro masters that would be progress with a vengeance a grim smile twitched the old man's lips as he said yes your prim conservative snobs and male waiting maids in congress went into hysterics when i armed the negroes yet the heavens have not fallen true yet no more insane blunder could now be made than any further attempt to use these negro troops there can be no such thing as restoring this union to its basis of fraternal peace with armed negroes wearing the uniform of this nation tramping over the south and rousing the basest passions of the freedmen and their former masters general butler their old commander is now making plans for their removal at my request he expects to dig the panama canal with these black troops fine scheme that on a par with your messages to congress asking for the colonization of the whole negro race it will come to that ultimately said the president firmly the negro has cost us five billion dollars the desolation of ten great states and rivers of blood we can well afford a few million dollars more to effect a permanent settlement of the issue this is the only policy on which seward and i have differed then seward was not an utterly hopeless fool i am glad to hear something to his credit growled the old commoner i have urged the colonization of the negroes and i shall continue until it is accomplished my emancipation proclamation was linked with this plan thousands of them have lived in the north for a hundred years yet not one is the pastor of a white church a judge a governor a mayor or a college president there is no room for two distinct races of white men in america much less for two distinct races of whites and blacks we can have no inferior servile class peon or peasant we must assimilate or expel the american is a citizen king or nothing i can conceive of no greater calamity than the assimilation of the negro into our social and political life as our equal a mulatto citizenship would be too dear a price to pay even for emancipation words have no power to express my loathing for such twaddle cried stoneman snapping his great jaws together and pursing his lips with contempt if the negro were not here would we allow him to land the president went on as if talking to himself the duty to exclude carries the right to expel 
within twenty years we can peacefully colonize the negro in the tropics and give him our language literature religion and system of government under conditions in which he can rise to the full measure of manhood this he can never do here it was the fear of the black tragedy behind emancipation that led the south into the insanity of secession we can never attain the ideal union our fathers dreamed with millions of an alien inferior race among us whose assimilation is neither possible nor desirable the nation cannot now exist half white and half black any more than it could exist half slave and half free yet god hath made of one blood all races quoted the cynic with a sneer yes but finished the sentence and fixed the bonds of their habitation god never meant that the negro should leave his habitat or the white man invade his home our violation of this law is written in two centuries of shame and blood and the tragedy will not be closed until the black man is restored to his home i marvel that the minions of slavery elected jeff davis their chief with so much better material at hand his election was a tragic and superfluous blunder i am the president of the united states north and south was the firm reply particularly the south hissed stoneman during all this hideous war they have been your pets these rebel savages who have been murdering our sons you have been the ever-ready champion of traitors and now you dare to bend this high office to their defense my god stoneman are you a man or a savage cried the president is not the north equally responsible for slavery has not the south lost all have not the southern people paid the full penalty of all the crimes of war are our skirts free was sherman's march a picnic this war has been a giant conflict of principles to decide whether we are a bundle of petty sovereignties held by a rope of sand or a mighty nation of freemen but for the loyalty of four border southern states but for farragut and thomas and their two hundred thousand heroic southern brethren who fought for the union against their own flesh and blood we should have lost you cannot indict a people i do indict them muttered the old man surely went on the even throbbing voice surely the vastness of this war its titanic battles its heroism its sublime earnestness should sink into oblivion all low schemes of vengeance before the sheer grandeur of its history our children will walk with silent lips and uncovered heads and forget the prison pen at andersonville yes we refused as a policy of war to exchange those prisoners blockaded their ports made medicine contraband and brought the southern army itself to starvation the prison records when made at last for history will show as many deaths on our side as on theirs the murderer on the gallows always wins more sympathy than his forgotten victim interrupted the cynic the sin of vengeance is an easy one under the subtle plea of justice said the sorrowful voice have we not had enough bloodshed is not god's vengeance enough 
when sherman's army swept to the sea before him lay the garden of eden behind him stretched a desert a hundred years cannot give back to the wasted south her wealth or two hundred years restore to her the lost seed treasures of her young manhood the imbecility of a policy of mercy in this crisis can only mean the reign of treason and violence persisted the old man ignoring the president's words i leave my policy before the judgment bar of time content with its verdict in my place radicalism would have driven the border states into the confederacy every southern man back to his kinsmen and divided the north itself into civil conflict i have sought to guide and control public opinion into the ways on which depended our life this rational flexibility of policy you and your fellow radicals have been pleased to call my vacillating imbecility and what is your message for the south simply this abolish slavery come back home and behave yourself lee surrendered to our offers of peace and amnesty in my last message to congress i told the southern people they could have peace at any moment by simply laying down their arms and submitting to national authority now that they have taken me at my word shall i betray them by an ignoble revenge vengeance cannot heal and purify it can only brutalize and destroy stoneman shuffled to his feet with impatience i see it is useless to argue with you i'll not waste my breath i give you an ultimatum the south is conquered soil i mean to blot it from the map rather than admit one traitor to the halls of congress from these so-called states i will shatter the union itself into ten thousand fragments i will not sit beside men whose clothes smell of the blood of my kindred at least dry them before they come in four years ago with yells and curses these traitors left the halls of congress to join the armies of cataline shall they return to rule i repeat said the president you cannot indict a people treason is an easy word to speak a traitor is one who fights and loses washington was a traitor to george the third treason won and washington is immortal treason is a word that victors hurl at those who fail listen to me stoneman interrupted with vehemence the life of our party demands that the negro be given the ballot and made the ruler of the south this can be done only by the extermination of its landed aristocracy that their mothers shall not breed another race of traitors this is not vengeance it is justice it is patriotism it is the highest wisdom and humanity nature at times blots out whole communities and races that obstruct progress such is the political genius of these people that unless you make the negro the ruler the south will yet reconquer the north and undo the work of this war if the south in poverty and ruin can do this we deserve to be ruled the north is rich and powerful the south a land of wreck and tomb i greet with wonder shame and scorn such ignoble fear the nation cannot be healed until the south is healed let the gulf be closed in which we bury slavery sectional animosity and all strifes and hatreds the good sense of our people will never consent to your scheme of insane vengeance 
the people have no sense a new fool is born every second they are ruled by impulse and passion i have trusted them before and they have not failed me the day i left for gettysburg to dedicate the battlefield you were so sure of my defeat in the approaching convention that you shouted across the street to a friend as i passed quote, let the dead bury their dead End quote. it was a brilliant sally of wit i laughed at it myself and yet the people unanimously called me again to lead them to victory yes in the past said stoneman bitterly you have triumphed but mark my word from this hour your star grows dim the slumbering fires of passion will be kindled in the fight we join today i'll break your back and wring the neck of every dastard and time server who fawns at your feet the president broke into a laugh that only increased the old man's wrath i protest against the insult of your buffoonery excuse me stoneman i have to laugh or die beneath the burdens i bear surrounded by such supporters mark my word growled the old leader from the moment you publish that north carolina proclamation your name will be a byword in congress there are higher powers you will need them i'll have help was the calm reply as the dreaminess of the poet and mystic stole over the rugged face i would be a presumptuous fool indeed if i thought that for a day i could discharge the duties of this great office without the aid of one who is wiser and stronger than all others you'll need the help of almighty god in the course you've mapped out some ships come into port that are not steered went on the dreamy voice suppose pickett had charged one hour earlier at gettysburg suppose the monitor had arrived one hour later at hampton roads i had a dream last night that always presages great events i saw a white ship passing swiftly under full sail i have often seen her before i have never known her port of entry or her destination but i have always known her pilot the cynic's lips curled with scorn he leaned heavily on his cane and took a shambling step toward the door you refuse to heed the wishes of congress if your words voice them yes force your scheme of revenge on the south and you will sow the wind and reap the whirlwind indeed and from what secret cave will this whirlwind come the despair of a mighty race of world-conquering men even in defeat is still a force that statesmen reckon with i defy them growled the old commoner again the dreamy look returned to lincoln's face and he spoke as if repeating a message of the soul caught in the clouds in an hour of transfiguration and i'll trust the honor of lee and his people the mystic cords of memory stretching from every battlefield and patriot grave to every living heart and hearthstone all over this broad land will yet swell the chorus of the union when touched again as they surely will be by the better angels of our nature you'll be lucky to live to hear that chorus to dream it is enough if i fall by the hand of an assassin now he will not come from the south i was safer in richmond this week 
than i am in washington today the cynic grunted and shuffled another step toward the door the president came closer look here stoneman have you some deep personal motive in this vengeance on the south come now i've never in my life known you to tell a lie the answer was silence and a scowl am i right yes and no i hate the south because i hate the satanic institution of slavery with consuming fury it has long ago rotted the heart out of the southern people humanity cannot live in its tainted air and its children are doomed if my personal wrongs have ordained me for a mighty task no matter i am simply the chosen instrument of justice again the mystic light clothed the rugged face calm and patient as destiny as the president slowly repeated with malice toward none with charity for all with firmness in the right as god gives me to see the right i shall strive to finish the work we are in and bind up the nation's wounds i've given you fair warning cried the commoner trembling with rage as he hobbled nearer the door from this hour your administration is doomed stoneman said the kindly voice i can't tell you how your venomous philanthropy sickens me you have misunderstood and abused me at every step during the past four years i bear you no ill will if i have said anything today to hurt your feelings forgive me the earnestness with which you pressed the war was an invaluable service to me and to the nation i'd rather work with you than fight you but now that we have to fight i'd as well tell you i'm not afraid of you i'll suffer my right arm to be severed from my body before i'll sign one measure of ignoble revenge on a brave fallen foe and i'll keep up this fight until i win die or my country forsakes me i have always known you had a sneaking admiration for the south came the sullen sneer i love the south it is a part of this union i love every foot of its soil every hill and valley mountain lake and sea and every man woman and child that breathes beneath its skies i am an american as the burning words leaped from the heart of the president the broad shoulders of his tall form lifted and his massive head rose in unconscious heroic pose i marvel that you ever made war upon your loved ones cried the cynic we fought the south because we loved her and would not let her go now that she is crushed and lies bleeding at our feet you shall not make war on the wounded dying and the dead again the lion gleamed in the calm gray eyes end of book one chapter four